Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone. This is you, buddy. Danvers, back in it again. Guys, I'm going to preview this and say I gave myself a challenge. And what's that challenge, you may ask? Well, I said, let's have around 10 podcast episodes before 2021 and well 2022 ends. Oh my goodness, I'm going into past no. <laughs> But, and upon me making that social media post, one one guy just had to jump on board. And it's a good friend of mine that haven't gotten the chance to meet face-to-face. And I want to gladly introduce him to this podcast today. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Ken Granderson. Welcome, Ken. Hey there, Yubani. Uh, thank you for having me uh, come in and chat with you today. Yes, awesome. Well, we've been in connection for a good while, man. It's, and it's been, you know, interesting times every time we get to talk. So it's, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for us to have this sort of dialogue in this type of setting. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate that you are actually doing something because I, I run into very few people who do much of anything other than, you know, chatter about things, you know, but when you said that, you know, you, you made this challenge to have these podcasts, I had to respond because I understand how important being proactive and being um you know, coming up with an idea and following through with action, how important that is. So I have much respect, you know, for you and, and feel compelled to support you, you know, in, in any way because very few people actually follow through on their ideas. Right, right. So true, so true. It's just, I, I just thought, I just really felt that I want to just end 2022 with a bang. I just really want to... Mm-hmm say you know what at least i've achieved this and i can go into 2023 with a new mind and just ready to do some more stuff go yeah so let's just get into the discussion um for just persons Mm -hmm. that not really much familiar with you because of course when this podcast is going to go out you know a lot of persons may not know you other than you know your fans and everything um so okay. you, <laughs> yeah, you got fans man you got fans oh. don't, don't, don't dispute that you know you got your your following all over the place you know so you know just give pe- persons out there a little uh, synopsis of what you do who you are you know all of those stuff sure sure um i mean at the at the beginning and end of the day you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a kid from the neighborhood formerly known in the U.S. in New York City, uh, Brooklyn, uh, mm. formerly known as or die bed who was fortunate enough to grow up at a time, place, and and to a family where I was able to get early exposure to technology, um, and so. As, as well as uh, you know, be, you know, be able to 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 
get acclimated to the concept that if I had ideas, I should be a, I should go for them. Right, right. Um, I mean, yeah, and I, I say that because, you know, I, I really understand how no matter where you live, it can it can come down to not even just one house or the next house. Or it could be the, the first kid or the second kid that gets treated differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, I lucked out in terms of being able to ask questions and, and have curiosity that was encouraged instead of silenced. And so mm-hmm. I learned a lot of things and I embraced the idea of learning and that that I believe set me on a path to be excited enough about math and science um, that I ended up getting into MIT. Mm. And, um, you know, when I was there, this was a long time ago, especially for someone like yourself, who's a lot younger than me. Uh, this, wow. is like 19, <laughs> this is like 1980. Hey, <laughs> you want to give off. shade, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Some shade, oh my goodness. I was like, I'm sure you've read about the 80s and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I, yeah I was there. And, um, you know, this was before the, actually, the, even the age of personal computers. Mm-hmm. And while I was interested in computers, we couldn't afford them. So I got interested in stereo stuff instead. Mm. Became a DJ. That's a, a conversation for another day. Oh, wow. But, yeah, a decade after graduating, um, in 80, I graduated in 85 and a decade later, um, I had reconnected with my interest in computer programming and I was working, doing software testing at a company that was really more in the world of hardware than software. Right. So I asked them if I took classes in programming, would they do tuition reimbursal? And they said, no, because we're really a hardware company and, you know, you're testing hardware. So I said, okay, well, if I teach myself and I start creating some programs, can we amend our employment agreement so that you don't own any intellectual property? And they said, sure, because we're really a hardware company. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. and so that's what we did. I bought a couple of books, um, taught myself how to do programs, Actually, this was like 1991, 92. Mm-hmm. And within a few years, I had created a few programs that got out there on the dial-up bulletin boards that were popular before the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and back in those days, people weren't used to the idea of getting software for free. So when I had a $20 little desktop utility that I sold 2,000 copies of, be mm-hmm. $40,000, and I was making $43,000 for my salary, I quit my job. Mm. And so interestingly enough, because I did this on very good terms with the company, um, they hired me back for at least a year. I worked from home for like twice my salary, you know, doing stuff for them. Wow, that's a blessing. <laughs> um, well, you know, um, um, I, I am one of those folks who, I've always made a point of trying to create my own luck, you know, so everything that I've done is very, very intentional and very um, reasoned and, and, and thought through on purpose, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, so, yeah, so, I mean, I've made a point of, of you know, making sure that I, even when I left, that I did it on good terms, um, um, not that I was planning on you know, being asked to continue 
doing stuff, but it was it was an easy ask, you know, and a very comfortable conversation. But anyway, um, you know, the some of the experiences I had on my way to leaving really opened up my mind to how wide open the opportunity was for folks like myself, basically, you know, black kid from an inner city US, you know, neighborhood to basically do whatever I wanted and I could create whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so I, with that mentality, I decided to focus on creating technologies that would engage and interest and inform uh, communities of color. Mm-hmm. And the, the first, I actually even named my company Inner City Software, which was a euphemism for black software company. Right. And well, I say back then because yeah. nowadays in in the U.S. There are a lot of inner city communities that have uh, changed a bit <laughs> through gentrification. Right. So, so, so that that uh, kind of subliminal suggestion isn't as relevant today as it was back, you know, in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. You know, and so over the years, I, you know, did things like digitizing a black history book that I wanted to get into the school system, Um, you know, got together with some other black tech entrepreneurs and we put Boston's black communities online a couple of times, once in in 1996 with purely static HTML websites. And then in 2002 with a fully database driven site that had like news events, um, business directory listings and online discussions. And this was like two to four years before sites like Eventbrite and Yelp were even created, mm. you know, as well as a couple of years before uh, Facebook, a year before MySpace, you know, so my entire, say those things because my entire perspective around technology has always come from the perspective of being in the driver's seat, being in control. Right. You know, you know, I think of things and I do what I want. I host things on my own hosting accounts or, um, you know, lo- hosted things on, from my own spaces, Mm -hmm. you know, so to this day, I don't, I don't know what it feels like to have someone stop me from doing anything in terms of technology. You know, in in 1997, when I created blackfacts.com, and then that was because I I, I was able to get access to all of Microsoft, including their enterprise database SQL server, because in 1997, I became what's called a, a Microsoft MVP, a most valued professional, and probably the first black one because you didn't see, you would hardly see any black people at any events or, mm-hmm. you know, or certainly not, you know, speakers or whatever back then. But, um, you know, because I had been using a HTML editor called Front Page that Microsoft bought the company for, um, I, I was using it for like two years, a year or two before they bought the company. So when they bought it, I, I had this experience with it and I was helping everybody use it. So I became an MVP for front page. And when I got access to all their stuff, I said, hey, uh, let me figure out how to do a database website, data-driven website. And so this is also the year that 1997 was the year that a lot of black Americans first really started going online in large numbers. Mm. So I figured that um, because I, I, I've seen how when it comes to things that are 
really forward thinking or can really help us, we unfortunately tend to not pay as much attention to those as things that are trendy, popular, or entertainment related. Mm -hmm. And even in technology, it's been entertainment that's been one of the major drivers. Right, 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 oh. right. Yeah, entertainment has been like a driving force, especially when hip hop and all that stuff has started. I think it was in the seventies or the eighties and all that stuff. Yeah, and, and then now tech. Yeah, yeah, the late the late seventies, yeah, because yeah. as a DJ I was around for the beginning of hip hop going um you know, getting on records, it was we used to say back then on wax. Oh, and again, that's a conversation about that's... how hip hop has changed in certain oh, yeah. ways. And also, I want even to ask this question though. What was That's your the, name back in the day? <laughs> what was your uh, DJ yeah, back yeah, in yeah. the day? Uh, yeah, but my DJ name was Kenny G. I used to joke that really? the long hair imposter was going to get a letter from my lawyers at some point. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, wow. and, the thing is, and the thing is, see, at least back then, I, I can only speak in terms of places I've been and experiences I've had. Right. But at least in the Northeast U.S. in the in the early '80s. Um, the black communities were very, were not diverse in the least. Everybody mm -hmm. kind of looked the same, acted the same, you know, and names like Granderson, people had a, a problem with, they couldn't remember it. Right. It's just so, too long. And of course, back in the day when it's just basically like, oh, if you don't have a black sounding name, it's not really much like a stick. I don't really know why people had issues with the word, with the name Granderson, but they didn't seem to remember it. And so using your first name and an initial was a common kind of, you know, algorithm for DJ names. <laughs> so, right. so that's what I went with. And yeah, so actually friends from way back then still know me as Kenny G. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. But let's just, yeah. this just kind of step all the way back a bit. And I just mm -hmm. wanted to kind of go forward yeah. with this because you just went you just went all the way down for your history and it's like well where should i stop where should i stop this one's going too deep so um let's start with you you know just coming around technology um sure. i believe that around maybe is around the 80s or stuff you gotten your first experience with stuff in terms of like technology and all this stuff i was like mm -hmm. to ask too and i uh, see actually for me it was the late 70s late 70s but, really yeah, but, but it was a different kind of technology it was like punch cards and hmm. we would have to go to this college you know and go to their big computer room and and you know work with the big green paper mm -hmm. that yeah you know so but how did you gone to the the framework of technology what aspect of technology back then initially drived your your cravings yeah for that? yeah well well you know I, I mentioned like entertainment and stuff and after doing a i think it was a summer program at new york university they had these systems that you would sit in front of and would print up um it was like a, a machine you don't see these things at all anymore right. it was something that Big enough for you to sit in front of like a desk and it had paper you know mm. that would i think that, i know this technology yeah right right a hewlett-packard like la36 i think was one of the models if you remember looking it up but they had this star trek game that mm. would print up a little matrix of what was supposed to be space 
Okay. And like the Klingons with three plus signs, the Enterprise was like a less than asterisk greater than sign. And you would have to do a command to say, oh, I want to move to this coordinate or I want to shoot photon torpedoes. And wow. each the way you played the game was you would type in a line that would say like command number one, you know, enter. And you have to wait for the whole thing to print up. Well, mm. the high school I was at had digital equipment, PDP 11 computers that actually had these were the size of a small file cabinet, like a with two drawer file cabinet. Mm -hmm. And they had a monitor on each one. And on the monitor, so what we did was we basically pirated the program by printing it all out and oh. we converted it to the version of basic that ran on the deck machines. Oh, and cool. and we and I, yeah, and our version one was a video monitor version of the printout. Where you would hit a command and you would have to instead of waiting for the whole thing to get printed, it was like, zoo, 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 zoo. you know, it's very things. seamless. Um, yeah, now it was on the screen where you would see the whole thing, you know, go line by line by line. Wow. But version two, we we were able to make it so that after you typed in your command, you would see it animated on the screen. But when I say animated, these were one color monitors, they were like like this old green color mm -hmm. and you would literally see like a little dot we made it have like a little dot for the phasers or whatever that would go across the screen diagonally wow. <laughs> yeah 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 that's so that, interesting. that's what really had gotten me interested and it was the creative aspect mm -hmm. where we were able to think it think it through and just figure it out we had no there were no courses that taught that you know, you know, we had the manuals, um, you know, and it was just up to us to figure it out, which, you know, well, I just found that to be an incredibly empowering experience, you know, to to start off with a blank slate of this idea. Hey, you know, we'd love to make this program do this and let's figure out how to make it do this. Right. <laughs> Is that, that's interesting. This like and I've always been interested and this mm -hmm. fan of I've always been been a fan of persons in tech because it's not it's not just like the programming aspect which is just impressive in itself but just the creative aspect and just thinking outside the box with especially in your times is very little very little things and you just make something interesting you know well yeah well well you know one of my several concerns about the current you know state of things is that i don't get the sense that most people have that creative aspect so like for example on my way to being able to quit my job like i would come up with ideas for things to like be an excuse to program so for example and by the way everything that i'm talking about as far as the programming mm -hmm. i've got documented on my personal website kengranderson.com with pictures and news stories or whatever so that's gonna be linked the, huh that, that's gonna be linked in the description so okay sure sure so one of the things that i came up with as an idea to teach myself how to do windows programs was i found a list of yo mama jokes oh, on this wow. a little you know program it, it honestly it runs to this day mm. it, you have to it's a windows program it was originally written for Windows 3.0 okay. or 3.1, maybe. You have to run it in like Windows 95 compatibility mode. 
but mm-hmm. it it I took these these yo mama snaps <laughs> and and if you run it today, it'll show up and say, like, good evening, the time is whatever, and here's something about your mama. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, yeah, completely politically incorrect, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but it was fun. Right. And it was fun aspect of it that helped drive me to figure out how to do it. Mm. Because, you know, programming takes a lot of time. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of, and, and most of the time, the, the mistakes are all your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nothing like, oh, it's nothing like you just seen the error at the bottom of your of your script. It's like, oh, it's like, where is it? Where did well, I go wrong? Well, interestingly enough, I've, one of several things I've always made a point of doing is make sure that I had the best tools. But like I used to, know some folks would say, oh, you know what? You know, I like to program with Notepad. I don't use, mm-hmm. you know, what they call integrated development environments. And I would be like, yeah, good luck for you. Like, I'll bet you that I'll create more stuff in a day than you can in a month, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and Because mm-hmm. one of the things that I do, you know, and, and anyone that I've, I've tried to help a few folks over, over the years, including my employees, and, you know, I'm really adamant about certain things like, have your errors window open at all times. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, if you if you are programming and you run into a problem, okay, well, what, what, what did you see any errors? And if you anything other than I checked or I didn't see, it's like wrong. No, you got to have your errors showing at all times. Mm-hmm. You know, when I do stuff on the web, I got my inspect window open at all times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. you know, I, I'm absolutely uncompromising about that because. These are ways that you become much more efficient, mm-hmm. you know, because you've got these tools that are watching everything and keeping track and whatever, and they will show you certain kind of mistakes as soon as they happen right. versus you spend hours and hours trying to figure out and go down the wrong path and you just mm-hmm. waste a lot of time, you know. Right. This is better yeah. that way. Yeah, I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. But, but for reasons that I will never understand, you know. Um, I, I think that some people, like I, like I remember, there used to be a, a scripting language that was popular in some areas called Perl that was like impossible to read. And I think there were a lot of folks who felt that they had a sense of importance from because oh, I can do stuff that's hard or whatever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, my whole thing is always like, you know what? All I care about is actually getting things done. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know, you, you know, you, you can't impress me with oh you know this algorithm whatever show me your portfolio show me something that you've done because if you can't show me that you can actually use your knowledge to create something is i don't know if you are really any good or you're just wasting everyone's time right what's the if you can't actually use your knowledge to create something useful as far as i'm concerned you might just be wasting everybody's time. <laughs> really? It's just it's like you, you're you claiming, oh, I can do this. I can do this. Well, um, let me see what you've created. <clears throat> um, can we go for another conversation? <laughs> right. Well, well, you see, you know, and see that for me, that leads to another concern that I have about the industry because, you know, I made a personal commitment. I don't expect for anyone else um, that I was going to focus on creating software you know, um, that empowers and makes things better for black people, mm-hmm. you know, and I this, this did that a bit more. Um, yeah. Well, well, with the black facts site, 
first black history search engine on the internet, 1997, and kept it running ever since while other sites like Africana.com have come and gone despite being, you know, backed by, um, you know, Harvard University and Microsoft and stuff like that. Mm. You know, um, you know, yeah, there are, there's, I've lost track of the different sites that have come and gone, you know, um, some of them got money, the money's gone, those people are long gone, you know, mm. but I, I have, you know, a visible record, whether it's on my website or a place like web.archive.org, the internet Wayback Machine, yeah. where you can see I've been actually building stuff and creating stuff that put thing, groups like the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation online, Boston's Black Communities. Um, in 2014, I put the government of St. Lucia online. You know, and the thing is, you know, these are things that, well, like when we did Boston's Black Communities, my, that was my inner city software team, which was a total of four programmers. So, you know, and St. Lucia, I did that by myself. So I am totally unfazed or unimpressed by folks who, you know, think that they've got to raise millions of dollars or have big teams of folks to do anything. Because right. I know that's nonsense. Because I've done it. I've lived it. I have my receipts. You can right. see these things yeah, up and running. Yeah. If you're proven to, like, not use too much or require so much. Yeah. And my concern is that I believe that over time, because certain ways the industry is gone, most people don't know anything other than how to do like one tiny piece of a system, mm. which is fine. You know, if you're working at a place where that's all they need you to do, mm -hmm. but you can't do anything unless you're, unless you have all that scaffolding around you now, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and in, even in terms of what people know how to do, um, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm pausing because, you know, sometimes in, in many ways I don't care, but sometimes I try to be politically correct and, you know, not singling anyone, uh, I'm not singling any individuals out, but, you know, um, I find myself on a regular basis in groups, tech groups that have thousands of people and I've not been able to get any conversations going around, hey, why don't we use this technology to do something for ourselves? Mm. Crickets, right? And, you know, so everything is about trying to get in the industry, trying to, you know, you know, get through some interview process, whatever, which I get, that's important, right? Yeah. But if you don't go any further than what you're getting paid to do, then you're only as valuable as, you know, when someone needs whatever they paid you to do before. Right. You know, so there are a lot of people who were scared because of this chat GPT AI thing. Yes. I could care less. I could care less about it because the stuff that I do every day, I'm creating that stuff that is that that isn't from some pattern or a simple description of stuff, you know. Um, and and there's it's not like you can just be easily replaced by AI or frankly by um, cheap labor from the other side, you know, of the world or or an economy. Um, you know, where people are getting paid, you know, one third of what you get paid, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because that's happened to a lot of folks in, in the U.S., you know, um, because of globalization, mm -hmm. you know, what you know, you I, it too? I don't even like to get your perspective on that. And like, do you really think that AI is taking over the world and sort of in, 
turn the way of like the industrialized um, state of the world? Um, I, I believe that all technologies displace people. For example, when is the last time, um, you know, you, you did a telegraph message hmm. or rode in a horse-drawn carriage, you know, right. or, or made a phone call and had an operator, you know, give you, give you um, a phone number? You know, every technology makes obsolete things that came before. Um, um, you know, there are people today who I see every now and then complaining about stores that have self-checkout machines. Right. But yeah, I bet I'll bet you use ATMs. There we go. <laughs> you know, um, so so depending on when you were born or what you're exposed to, you know, as things change, a lot of people have what I consider very myopic views about oh this industry, you know, you know, or this technology is bad because it's putting these people out of work where every one of us uses on every single day, lots of technologies that put people out of work. Oh, yeah. That's the nature. That is the nature of technological progress. You know, I think it becomes a problem when we don't make sure that people who are getting displaced have a safe place to land because we trained them. But unfortunately, if you're in a capitalistic society, there's no incentive to do that. It's, it's cheaper to replace, um, you know, the folks with machines or, or younger people than to train the other folks. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so my perspectives on those sort of things is that if you recognize these things have been happening or can, can continue to happen, you probably want to figure out ways to protect yourself by um, finding probably not focusing on what's popular mm -hmm. because whatever is most popular is the first thing that's going to be automated or become commoditized. Right. <laughs> yeah. But now I see people talk about what's the most popular language or the popular popular. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are, you are asking yourself to be first on the obsolescence. Exactly. Right. You're like, you're asking yourself <laughs> to be the last place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank yes. You very much. Yes. So when it comes to AI, I do think that AI is going to radically transform things. I am actually, you know, maybe it's because I've been a sci-fi, you know, watcher since I was a kid, reader and then watcher. You know, I have thought of so many doomsday scenarios, oh, you know, with, with AI that, you know, I just hope that, you know, these things just don't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, I do definitely see AI changing things in ways that we can't even imagine. Just like if you if you try and search for anybody, industry leader or amateur, who has accurately predicted more than a, one or two things in technology from the past decade, you aren't going to find them. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Mm. We have we 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 don't really do good jobs of predicting. Um, and and when it comes with technology, I mean, for example, one of these big wake up calls for the way technology has advanced for me is in voice recognition software. Uh. Yeah, voice recognition software is a is a technology that I've been trying to use for one to two decades but it's never been good enough so i remember dragon naturally speaking 
when it first came out, um, you had to read 20 minutes to train it. And I, I like, like, I remember reading like 20 minutes of like Dilbert cartoons or something like that to train this thing to your voice. Oh, Nowadays, cool. yeah, you, you don't train anything. You just start talking and it understands you, you know. Mm -hmm. So I actually use voice recognition now to dictate notes about different ideas or different things that I want to do. And I find that the amount of time I spend correcting is so small that it's worth my time. Whereas it used to, it wasn't worth it to me before, mm. you know? And so, you know, that kind of revolutionary enhancement, I believe is going to displace a whole lot of people in the tech space who, um, you know, who things like this chat GPT, you know, apparently you can describe certain yeah. things and it can solve certain problems. It's like, yeah, if, if, if that's all you're doing is solving those problems, then yeah, you better start looking for something else. Cause you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I've actually used GPT and I think I've used other technologies similar to that, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just kind of stepping into the whole AI artificial intelligence you know, mm -hmm. type of thing. And on the surface is pretty cool. Um, I just, you know, and what I've, turn it into is like let's say i want to know or maybe write a social media post it can help yep. me you know literally write out a caption and of course it's not going to be accurate all the time but it's mm -hmm. a start you know and yeah and i've really seen it i've really seen that the technology itself is pretty advanced and it's pretty, mm -hmm. pretty useful but I just feel that it's just going to be overhyped and it might become a bit of a, because you also said about when technologies come through, it's going to be a elevation from the old. And I feel that the elevation now is just going to be more, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it will be more luxurious. It would be, a bit of hands-free type of ideal right and right right so i just feel it's a it's a situation where do we elevate to a point of lack of you know you know the society where um like what's, what's the what's the cartoon name um wally where you just have people just not really much do anything but they could push a button and everything gets done for them yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's funny. Actually, I mentioned Dilbert. There's a couple of cartoons from like 1994 where he talks, he jokes about the holodeck and, you know, like like Dilbert, like not leaving it since March or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. To whatever extent, a lot of people um, tend to follow the path of least resistance, otherwise known as being somewhat lazy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I definitely can see, I'll put it like this. I've lived firsthand to observe um, to, to live in a world before calculators were commonplace and hearing people say, folks are going to forget how to do math. Oh, no, no, not really. And yes, they did. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just think about it, it's not, math is just on a whole other scale. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Just not math where you, 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 you have many people not able to do what used to be like fifth grade mathematics, mm -hmm. but I've also seen it happen with directions mm -hmm. where, you know, 
if, if somebody can't see it visually, they can't give you directions yeah, <laughs> because they're much. dependent on GPSs. And so, yeah, I, I definitely can foresee so many changes that, you know, we may not be happy about when we think about it. But one of the problems that I believe is endemic to most cultures is that we don't plan ahead. We don't really think these things through. We just kind of live in the moment. And, and respond, you know, to things that make us feel good or feel cool. Um, and even to speak to the hype thing, um, I stumbled upon something that many people who do research and keep up with trends have probably known about for many years called the Gartner hype cycle, mm -hmm. um, which is a curve, it's a graph that tries to suggest how long it's going to be for certain technologies or industries or things like that to get to what they call the quote plateau of productivity and i think they suggest a you know an, um, a life cycle where things are just overly hyped and then people you know think they never live up to the hype so a lot of people are really disillusioned and yeah blah 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 but at some point mm -hmm. you know these different things find their space and their place in society i've seen that happen with different technologies programming languages etc you know, where you've got your true believers, like right now, I see us in a, uh, where a lot of web three things are in that space. Right. You know, you've got your, you know, like your, 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 I remember being, falling into a um, clubhouse, which is one of those things that mm -hmm. at some point, maybe a year ago, you know, you had like the church of clubhouse and everyone's like, clubhouse, 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 you right. know, and, you know, I, I remember getting on, getting into a couple of things like three or four times, like, okay, this is interesting. I haven't heard much anyone talk about it for quite a while, but I remember stumbling into this group that I called like the Church of NFTs, you know, where they were like, NFTs are going to do everything and blah, 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 you know. And I get it from the standpoint of I learned, I taught myself enough to write a few smart contracts. I can think of some really useful um, uses of, of NFTs from the perspective of being like digital certificates of authenticity. Mm -hmm. for transactions or ownership um um potentially even things like royalties mm -hmm. um you know even though you can get around the royalty thing um but you know i've never been a believer that oh this is going to be everything to everyone everywhere mm -hmm. part of it is because i'm old enough to have seen that movie several times around technologies that nobody would even remember you have to look up wikipedia articles yeah. you know <laughs> to even know that they ever existed mm -hmm. you had your true believers who were just absolutely convinced that this was going to change everything and i see today many people with the same energy etc you know who i fear they just never to realize We've been there, done that before. I see similar things culturally with a lot of the conversations going on in certain subsections of Black communities, um, you know, around um, what I would call pseudo history. You know, okay, you know, okay, you know what? Late eighties, early nineties, been there, done that already, folks. And you know, but these folks, I believe, they just haven't done their homework, and they it's new to them, and they're like, "Ooh, look at this." You know, and it's like, okay, fast forward another decade. If passes prologue, they will have moved on to something else, forgotten mm -hmm. about it, and just don't speak about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, 
for NFTs. My <laughs> my hope. <laughs> My whole perspective on just the NFT space, it's it's not like it's, I don't know, it's, it has its use, right? But there's yeah. just, but the thing about it is not like an everyday thing, because they're just pushing like the cryptocurrency aspect of things of just being a new world currency and all this. Stuff. But really, being realistically, do we really think that? china the uk all these other countries are going to really want to adapt a one currency type ordeal do we really think so or what do you think so ken well well well, no absolutely not but i mean i think only some people think about that and i don't know if they're saying like bitcoin because there's like twenty thousand or so different kind of tokens cryptos is merging every day just merging all of nowhere Yeah, um, um, I do believe that in certain environments, whether it's government or, you know, banks that you don't trust, you know, and, and or maybe manipulating things as well as, to me, the the most compelling use case for using cryptocurrency and maybe Bitcoin, because it's the one that has seemed to be the most, you know, established, maybe, maybe it makes the most sense um, is... And I'm not suggesting from an investment perspective, mm-hmm. but in the short term for money transfer. Because literally anywhere where you've got like brown immigrant communities, you've got sending money home. Cash, these money transfer services and, um, you know, that will often charge you like five U.S. dollars right. for every transaction. Yeah. You know, which dollars, you don't miss it. If you're sending forty dollars, that's a big chunk, you know. Yeah, and so have, yeah. So having using cryptocurrency, if you have crypto, you know, accounts, you know, in in one location, and you've got family, friends, or whatever in this other location, you know, and you and and whether it's Bitcoin or some other currency that has an agreed upon value in a short period of time, you can buy that crypto, move that crypto, and you know, and and sell it in the local currency, you know, I, I believe that's a very useful use case mm-hmm. um, that can potentially, you know, get you, um, you know, um, um, do it cheaper than the Western unions and yes. the, you know, the, the cash apps and, and, and other. So, so I could, I absolutely could see that being a very, very powerful, um, you know, way, way to use cryptocurrencies. Um, I think once you start talking about relying on it, having a long term value or even more like investment, I believe that then you're 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 putting randomness and risk on top of risk on top of whatever. Um, And, and, you know, your mileage may vary. And, you know, in those situations, my gut and experience suggests that you will have a small number of people who will make out very well, but most people will lose their shirts. (laughs) <laughs> very interesting. That was very interesting. <laughs> Where the knowledge there. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But, but see, I view that the same way. I view that the same way as anything that's being driven by a desire for something for nothing. Whether it's a lottery, whether it's um, you know, different businesses that you know that that promise you know incredible amounts of profits or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. it's like 
you know, there, there is no something for nothing unless you happen to be one of these very, very fortunate few that these things work out for. Which is so, like, you know, per yeah. Which is like huh? the, it's just like the initial people that have been into like the pump and dump schemes, which is, you know, make a lot of well, money just like the early stages yeah, of Bitcoin yeah. and all that. Well, well, yeah, yeah. See, now if you say at least you know when I hear the phrase pump and dump, you know, to me that is suggesting bad intent. Mm -hmm. You know, which which you know, yes, there, there's con people in everything. You know. Um, and, and so, yeah, pump and dump that I think it probably first was created around stocks, you know. Yeah. And 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 so, yes, whether it's crypto stocks, business opportunities, if somebody is going into it with the intention of defrauding people, then regardless of the mechanism they use, you know, buyer beware, um, you know, certain things like crypto may make it easier for scammers, you know, um, I mean, heck, the Internet has made it easy for you know many people to do all sorts of phishing scams that you know that were not possible 30 years ago you know right so i'm separating the you know the the mechanism from people with bad intent yeah that's very important yeah i think i think it is very important because um you know from my perspective anything that is that is being approached with the desire for something for nothing, you're probably gonna, you know, <laughs> lose. Right. Um, you know, especially if uh, you know the person that has bad intentions initially, especially yeah. if you know the person to be having bad intent generally. Right, right. Yeah, it's some, something that I found interesting about about crypto. It's interesting and a little disturbing was that I remember speaking um, with a sister who was. Um, I was asking her, can she explain some of these things that had these incredibly, incredibly enormous rates of returns that they promised? Mm -hmm. And and I was like, I was like, this seems like a Ponzi scheme. And she was like, yeah, it kind of is, you know. And then people know it, and yeah. you know, they, these things last for about a month. And you know, mm -hmm. you know, you put, you know, you, you know, I'll put in like sixty dollars, and if I double my money, you know, I'm good. And if anything else comes after that, then I figure that's gravy. So. Well, well, yeah, well, what I found interesting about it was that she was very consciously, you know, gauging her risk, et cetera. But she also knew, you know, that, yes, this was the, the majority of people were going to get screwed. Right. She was just trying to not be one of those people. <laughs> right. As I said, that's what I said. The persons who will be on these crypto stuff initially, they will be benefit like for the long haul, you know? I'm sorry, your audio went in and out a little bit. What did you repeat yeah. that? <laughs> but yeah, I was saying like, especially for persons that you know, yeah, this is going into like a month or two or just like the first week. Yeah, yeah people yeah. benefit a lot compared for persons that's going into like month or two or three months, you know? Yes, yes. But, you know, to be fair, yeah, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I would never say I'm an anti, you know, crypto because I, again, I believe that it has its uses. But mm. people have the same, many people have the same mentality when it comes to stocks, you know, mm. um, you know, with day trader mentality oh, versus. Uh, huh? I remember those times with day trading. Yeah. Yeah. Or quote investments in general. To me, you know, certain kind of quote investments are seen to be driven by a desire for something for nothing versus I'm going to invest, say, in real estate or, you know, 
for a business where there's this group called the Black 10K Project, run by a couple of sisters who encourage uh, crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. You know, and they say to their folks, to their members, you know, expect like a five to seven year window before you see any returns. Like I respect that yeah. because you know this is not they're talking about you know putting in money in in new black businesses to try to get them to the point where they can grow, stabilize, etc. Right. And then looking at it as a long term investment, not oh I'm trying to flip some money or I'm trying to flip a house you know, in the real estate space, get, right? Get rich quick, basically. Yes, it's the yeah that that mentality from my perspective. No matter what the vehicle is, if you're going into it. You know, with that mindset, you know, um, you know, hey, I, I can't help you. I'm not touching it, you know. Right. <laughs> Especially when it doesn't show like a history, a track record of having some sort of success. It's very hard. It's, for me, it's just hard to kind of put my money into it. Especially for that, just for that reasons. I, I want to, I want to, but I don't know. Let's let's see, maybe five months. You know, give it five months. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> well, yeah. well, 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 maybe because when I was growing up, um, I had an uncle who had a grocery store down on the ground floor, and um, you know, they used to before the official lottery was, you know, was, um, came in place. You know, they used to. Like sell like these this numbers magazine called uh, Big Red, you know. And there were a lot of folks who did the the numbers, you know, betting like on horse races and stuff. And I remember seeing like when lottery came in, seeing folks like even like elderly people putting all this money into lottery tickets. So I developed a very strong distaste for those kind of games to the point where I don't want to. You know, I, I don't put any money into them, even if they do have a track record, you know, like like, you know, certain lotteries or whatever, you know, because I, I feel like in a general sense that these things are, um, you know, pr- predatory in nature because they're they are banking on folks who have the least to lose looking for a windfall or Hail Mary kind of thing. You know, versus, you know, people who have lots of money, I don't tend to think that they try to get lottery tickets. Because they are the lottery ticket. (laughs) Well, well, maybe not lottery tickets, but, you know, they they may know that they've got a business that will give them a 10% return a year, you know. Yeah, it's probably a 10, basically. And the person, the person especially is the person. It's not... Is is the huge difference between a person that's just you know working nine to five to a person owning like two three businesses? You know, it's a drastic difference. Um, there there may or may not be because at the, at the same time, you know, um, I have you know worked for other folks and worked, you know, on my own completely in a combination of both. And I'm telling you, you know, being able to just go someplace and have money show up in your bank account every couple of weeks is like. <laughs> That's a really nice, you know, space to be in. So I get it. Right. And 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 depending on your personal level of risk and and your responsibility, you know, entrepreneurship is definitely not for for a small number of people. You know, at right. the same time, I would love to see even a handful of black technologists 
you know, doing our their own kind of business. Um, you know, because outside of technology, if you look around where you are right now, you know, anything that's not natural, you know, somebody had a business that sold it, and you probably have seen black people selling that thing, but not in technology. <laughs> so, right. you know, so when I when I'm trying to encourage folks to think about entrepreneurship, you know, one of the first things they respond to is the false suggestion that, oh, you should just quit your job tomorrow and just start, you know, like, no, nobody said that. No one suggested that, yes. you know, the, the suggestion was that you think about it, you, you conceive it first, you know, you, you put the thought in your mind as a possibility and you start, once it's in your mind, you start looking for potential ways to 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 go that route maybe maybe you find something maybe you don't but at least you gave it a shot right you, you know and maybe you come up with some ideas and and you try something and you find out it's not for you okay hey you learned something you know yeah you you own in my view now you own the decision to say like you know what that's not for me versus never even considering it never even thinking about it because maybe because you didn't see other people doing it and it never dawned on you. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Um, you know, but it would be nice in my view to see, you know, small collections of folks like, like, why is it that when I was in Boston in the nineties, mm -hmm. I could name about a dozen, you know, independent black technology folks. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we're the ones like we, we got together and put the neighborhoods online. We didn't ask anybody. Hmm. You know, we didn't ask permission. We didn't we didn't look for funding like in, in what I believe what I call the cult of Shark Tank. I think that over the past 30 years, a lot of people have gotten this delusion that, you know, you can come up with an idea and people are just going to give you money. You ain't never done anything yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, know? you, just never, you just had the idea it's like yeah i think this is gonna worth a billion dollars you know or or or, or you're going to quote disrupt i you know i say to yes people, you know, yes it's like, if you don't have a track record you know you know as far as i'm concerned you need to not even dare to put that word in your mouth what you know you just have an idea you and a, a few million other people have an idea and it will never actually bring it to fruition. Yes. You know, um, um, yeah. if you've had an idea and you tried to make a run of it and didn't grow it, I, I get it, me too, you know? Mm. Um, you know, but at least you, you've proven that you can follow through, that you weren't, you know, it wasn't just talk. Right. And when I say it wasn't just talk, that's not even a criticism because life happens to us all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are many situations that, take out you know the most committed of us I, trust me i <laughs> i know it seen it you know mm -hmm. have, have lived some of it um you know but when you look at just the number of people that are in tech uh, i mean I, i've been in um online sessions J june um 2020 mm -hmm. um microsoft had a juneteenth session that had 10 thousand people in it okay yeah um um me and my business partner dale we did one of the closing sessions of it um 
And of course, you know, there's a link on my website for it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but after the session, after our session, there was a it was supposed to be a quote happy hour. I don't know how long I was there until I was just like, I can't believe this. Most of it was people like, like complaining about, you know, racial tension at their job. Wow. Whereas me, I'm like, there's 10,000 folks in this space. Mm -hmm. I'm presuming mostly black. Mm -hmm. This could be the beginning of any number of things that could change things moving forward. But what people, you know, I think because of the lack of vision in the room. And, and that's one of those things that I believe that working in, you know, um, majority corporations, it can beat you down. And I don't blame people, you know. So a lot of things that I say, putting folks down, but just objective recognition of things that I believe are missing or need to happen in order for us to move forward. You know, so despite having all those people there, you know, the nobody seemed to realize the opportunity that was right in the room and say, hey folks, you know, regardless of what's going on, you know, and the different things you're 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 dealing with, why don't we use this amazing situation to think about how we could take control of the reins and change things mm -hmm. you know you know that's the way that i think because i've always been in control of my tech right you know so so when people talk about diversity or whatever you know you know i imagine you know as black facts grows you know our diversity challenges will be making sure that you know we you know we we hire somebody other than black people mm -hmm. <laughs> you, know? Pretty much. you know you know because you know issues around you know, you know, are we in the industry, whatever? It's like, you know, I kind of thought about that in the 90s and, you know, and I don't know, you know, I, I've always seen plenty of folks. I mean, the National Society of Black Engineers, engineers, not just tech people, you know, but I know that they brought um, like 10,000 plus, you know, maybe mostly students and because um, it's like you're more at the student level than the professional level mm -hmm. to national conferences a few times in the 90s and the 00s. So mm -hmm. there's always, from my perspective, there's always been um, since since the 00s, at least, you know, there's always been a lot of black folks in these industries. I think that because we don't have the inclination to seek out each other and support each other in empowering ways versus you know getting together and you know you know focusing more on oh you know the you know yeah, self-development basically problems and yeah yeah so much focus on problems instead of solutions you know mm -hmm. and it, which is not to dismiss the problems but you know um, you know, I've, I've only been around for six decades. I'm going to be 60 a month from now. Um, you know, so I haven't been around, I haven't been around for centuries, but at least from my read of history, it's never been easy to be black most parts of the world. So this is not news. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's like you're, just, you're just complaining of like the everyday thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Having, having a, a tough way to go, having to work twice as hard. Um, I just took that for granted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it it yeah, never, 
me to complain about it. You, you know, you know, you know. I've dealt with with folks who, you know, you know, a guy, a guy was a chief technology officer of the city of Boston. I'm pretty sure because his daddy, you know, was a city councilor. And you know, I remember spending 15 minutes, you know, convincing him that yeah, I do know what I'm doing. You know, where where I knew that you know, in my sleep or, you know, in the shower, I could do more than he could do in a week, hmm. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> you know, it's a shameless, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, so I've, I've always kind of taken those sort of things for granted. And my response has always been, you know, I'm going to be the baddest, you know, person on the team. <laughs> I'm going to be the one who, who even if you don't like, you know, some of the things I have in my office or whatever, you you can't say anything because you know, you know I'm, I'm the nicest person that you're gonna meet and I'm the most competent. Yes. <laughs> so. Absolutely. That's my aim for life. I want to be the most competent person to be around, and I want to be a person that's be intelligent as hell. Yes. The audio, your audio drop. Yeah. yeah, basically, I just want to yeah, be yeah, a competent yeah. person. Yeah. I want to be a person that, you know, has knowledge yes. to give, you know? But. Yes, yes, and hopefully. Mm -hmm. and this is going to be our last oh, and close, by the oh, way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to actually close on this. So go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and hopefully. um, um, Be someone who has goals that are larger than yourself. Mm -hmm. um, in, 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 in fact, um, I saw a great um, quote that I shared earlier. I, I have some of my own quotes, you know, you know but, but, but this one, this one was, was one I'm like, you know what? I am going to share this as much as I find it. Marion Wright Edelman, her, mm -hmm. the quote is, be a good ancestor. Stand for something bigger than yourself. Add value to the earth during your sojourn. Mm. That is something that I, my, my, my biggest single concern when I see what people are talking about in, in the world of tech is that I, I see silence around the idea of, um, you know, investing time, energy, and money into things that will create a benefit greater than yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, to leave things better than you found them. Mm -hmm. I, I, I see some people who will volunteer to do certain things like, you know, teaching kids to code, which is nice, but, you know, it would be, I'd be more excited about it if I ever saw folks, you know, write articles or come on TV and say, yes, I built this because I learned how to code from this program. So. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much of those programs are are just teaching young people to think logically, which is a benefit in and of itself. You know, and if that's the goal, then great. But I am I haven't been persuaded that there's much of a a tangible return on investment from a lot of the activities that I see people doing. And that's something that I've observed in grassroots community organizations you know, that I used to be very involved with when I was in Boston, you know, you know, people putting a lot of effort into things that 
felt they felt good about mm-hmm. and were noble, but because they didn't have any kind of objective KPIs, you know, you know, you know, key right, performance. Right, right, right. You know, they it, it just went on feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt good, and 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 yeah, yeah, we were doing it for the future, and that's nice. But if you, in my opinion, if those efforts that you're putting time and energy and sometimes foundation money into, if you can't, if they're not really giving you a tangible return and making things better, then, you know, to me, that money would have been better spent going towards things that can demonstrate a true return. Okay. And then that <laughs> will end our podcast. Wow. We, have, you know, guys, we've, I've attended, uh, you know, I've wanted to have these podcasts for like maybe forty five minutes. This just blew up the hour discussion, but you know, it's not from you know just have chit chat. It's very, very, yeah. very valuable information. That I, you know, I I try to keep up as you know, <laughs> I, I try to keep up and just ask the 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 questions to kind of get everything in. And I know I I really want us to have a part two. I, I oh, oh, that, absolutely. But you know what? Don't try to keep up. Our paths are all different, right? You know, we have different life stories. We have different potential purposes and ways we can contribute. I I, I don't suggest that, you know, anyone, um, you know, you know, you know, you know don't, don't judge yourself by others. There's a, one of my favorite poems, Desiderata, you know, can't quote it, but basically it's like, you know, it talks about one of the many things it says is don't compare yourself, you know? You know, you know, you know, if you if you spend enough quiet time with yourself, whatever philosophy, beliefs just clear on what you think you need to be doing and you do that, that's all you can ask of yourself, you know. But 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 hopefully try to care about something more than taking care of you and yours. That's important. Gotta make sure that that's done. But if we don't do any more than that, you know, I fear that we will go backwards because, you know, certainly in America, in the last political cycle, a lot of people had rude awakenings to see how easy it was for the clock to be rolled back. Right. You know, and so I think a lot of people thought that certain challenges were over, certain battles were done and were in the history books. And it's like, no. As, as long as there are people who want to take us back, the, the people who, of goodwill, of all cultures, of all races, of all backgrounds, who want to, you know, move our societies forward, we cannot rest or sleep. We have to put in some time, not all your time, but put in some time to try and make sure we keep pushing, you know, the the, the keeping the door open, because many of those doors that Folks like yourself and even myself have walked through, were beat open, but, but you know, with, with the bloody heads of people who gave all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true, so true. But ah, man, I love this podcast. I, 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 <laughs> I, I it's, yeah, it's, it was very insightful. And again, this is actually our first time ever speaking to one yep. another in this type of, fa- type of fashion. And yeah, I. I just I I I have I'm, I have no words. <laughs> I have no words. Um, but well, you, you, don't don't worry. You you will have words. Sleep on it. Meditate on it. 
And, you know, hopefully these words will inspire you to, you know, get more fired up or or maybe not. Maybe you're, you're fine. You know, it'll just be reinforcement that you're not the only one thinking this way. Whatever works, right. man. Yeah, and of it's course, all good. And of course, to you, the, the listening audience, you know, you know, I hope this episode really gives you a lot of perspectives, and especially on this field. That if, even though you're not in the whole tech sphere, there's something that sort of resonate with you and give you something to think about for tonight. And of course, since we're gonna have our next episode, uh, uh, I'm putting it out there. We're gonna have a part two. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, right? Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, yeah. I, I just, I just have to end this. I really don't have the words, man. We just went over an hour. We just, we just went in, and we just really. I'm went sorry. In. And it was work. And I also had some other stuff we want to go into, like you know, self-taught versus academia. You know, the whole open source market, especially when you, especially with the technology you've created in the past. Like, there's so much I want to go into, but this is going to be the end of part, part one. Two, of part class. two. This is part two. Part two. Part two. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. My name is Yubayan Danvers, and this is... Repeat your name, my friend. Oh, Ken Granderson. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to... You were going to play the name of the show <laughs> <laughs> and also give um everyone your links and so people persons can know you know find you and all that oh yeah 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 well well blackfacts.com our black history site is that's that's the main thing b-l-a-c-k-f-a-c-t-s or if you google the words black space facts we're, we're like the number one search engine if you want to find out about what i've been doing you know as a as a digital citizen that's kengranderson.com, K-E-N-G-R-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, this is going to be the end, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed <laughs> the episode, and we will see you guys later. Good night and good night. Later, guys. Yes, I know you all see my OBS, okay? Bye. <laughs> <laughs>